Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas, a great podcast. Do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people? <laughs> yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today I'm joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kibbe. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and, and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. There's so many things that we can do to make America freer and the world better and safer and more peaceful. Everybody has the responsibility of trying to help to do that. You know, what you're doing with your podcast is a perfect example of, you know, you're doing this as a labor of love and for the cause, and that is exactly what we have to have. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Hey, what's up, folks? It's Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome back to another fun-filled episode. And yes, of course, with another phenomenal guest. But before we get to my guest, first and foremost, I want to say thank you so much for uh, for helping The Brian Nichols Show out. And I say that because you have made January the most downloaded month that I've ever had, and we're only halfway through the month. Uh, you guys are loving the guests we're having come on the show, and uh, especially the past few months, I've seen uh, more and more downloads. So, if you enjoy the content we're producing, if you enjoy the, the guests I have on the show, please take a minute, go over to uh, the Patreon at B Nichols Liberty. And yeah, I know there's a whole thing with Patreon right now. Please take a second, ignore all that nonsense and help support creators like me, like Chris over at We Are Libertarians, uh, like the Boss Hog at the Boss Hog of Liberty. And uh, yes, a little peek behind the curtain, like one of my guests here, uh, Caleb from the, the Mill Liberty Project. Now with that, also, if you're if it's if a Patreon subscription is, is too much, Please take a one-time PayPal donation. That's even better um, because it, it's fast, easy, and it helps me go right back into the show. It goes right back into the show, um, that upfront donation. Uh, you can do that. Use the link, uh, Brian, uh, let's see, make sure this is right, the Brian Nichols Show at gmail.com. You can find me on uh, on PayPal for that one-time PayPal donation. And yes, I teased him. Caleb, uh, Caleb Franz from the Milliberty Project, or no, Milliberty Initiative, rather, um, you guys are familiar, obviously, Caleb is, uh, no stranger to the Brian Nichols show. He joined us as, uh, one of our earlier guests and actually one of our more popular guests, uh, for our 2018 campaign. So with that, we got a lot of, uh, new things happening behind the scenes with the Liberty Initiative. So, Caleb Franz, welcome back to the Brian Nichols show. Hey, Brian, it's good to be here. Hopefully we can, uh, we can, we can make this one one of the more popular ones as well. <laughs> I'm sure we will. And I'm not, I'm, I think I'm going to give like 30% to just my increased energy level today because I actually I just got back from the gym today was chest day because I don't follow <laughs> I don't follow the international chest day nonsense because I find that on Mondays which usually is international chest day the gym is absolutely number one packed and number two every single bench for chest press is already taken and by the time you're ready to jump in and fill in for the spot opening up Either A, somebody's there to hop right in, or B, it's so late in the workout that you really can't use the bench effectively. So I did chest today, which means increased pre-workout, which means a more hyped up Brian. So I hope everybody's ready, and I hope you're ready, Caleb, because we're going to I'm ready for it. <laughs> good, because we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Obviously, we're, we're going to dig into some new happenings over at a, your venture, the Mill Liberty Initiative. But first and foremost, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Catch my guests up. What's been going on uh, in the personal life, if you will, uh, of Caleb Franz? Well, I mean, there's there's been a lot of uh, things going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, building building the Liberty Initiative up. As if 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 your guests um, may have forgotten, or, or a few of them may have uh, may have you know missed that episode. Um, the Liberty Initiative is a project of mine. It's spurred off of um, my podcast, Liberty, that I previously had at the Outset Network. Now it is um, over at Maliberty.com. Uh, we, we sort of branched off and started doing our own thing. Um, and the entire premise of it is to uh, create a community of liberty lovers and and show people how to properly 
communicate the message of liberty and how to apply real tangible action to these ideas. Because while I am a libertarian, you're a libertarian, you know, in this greater liberty movement, we have, I believe, the best ideas. That's why I'm a libertarian. Um, but oftentimes the implement, uh, the, the implementation of those ideas um, are not the best and and the communication of those ideas are equally not as good and those are two areas that we need I believe to get a lot better at and that is why I started the Maliberty Initiative um, since I I've been on your program uh, last time we were we really just started uh, whenever I was last on your program and um, a lot of things have been going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, this is something we'll be talking about a little bit later in the program, but one of our, our bigger, uh, advocacy projects, the reintegration project we, we launched in November on the week of Thanksgiving. Um, and it's a market-based, uh, approach to the criminal justice system. And it's something that I am, um, incredibly excited about all the developments that have been happening and and some of the things behind the scenes that you know we we probably aren't quite quite there yet as far as being able to to come forward about these kind of things because some of the confirmations haven't haven't officially been made on on some of these things but um you know a lot of great things are happening so uh, hmm. a lot of good things for for the for the movement a lot of good things for the message of liberty um and a lot of ju- just good things for 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 me <laughs> as well so Awesome. So to go back to the point, it's that you don't have the signatures yet. So in my day job, I do a lot of, um, a lot of consulting and, uh, my, my, my CEO always asks to confirm the deal's done. He's like, well, you had the signatures. That's all that matters when you, when you had that signature at the end of the day. Um, right, right, right. But hey, you know what? I also really quick, I'm going to take, um, you know, a little pride here because I'm pretty sure that the Brian Nichols show had the exclusive, uh, introduction of the Maliberty initiative. I think. I may have been your first media appearance in that um, announcement. So I'm just going to, you know, little feather in the cap. There. Yeah, I, I, I believe you're right. Um, other than myself, uh, <laughs> other than my own podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I do believe you're right on, on that end. And, and you know what? Let's just let's just dig into it. I'm the host. I get to change things as much as I want. So you mentioned it. And I think it's a great way to start off our show. Let's talk about this. The, the reintegration project. So. If you could start off describing, I guess, number one, the reintegration project and its, you know, elevator pitch, but then kind of talk about how it ties to the overall theme and the overall mission and goal and purpose of the uh, Maliberty Initiative. Sure, absolutely. So the reintegration project, like I just said, was um, a, an idea that came to mind. And and keep in mind, the entire purpose, this this really feeds into the 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 mission statement of of the Maliberty Initiative of finding those new and different ways to make liberty uh, achievable, to make it applicable, and and to communicate it properly, so that way everyone can understand it and get behind it. Um, and this is one of those ways that we found that sort of crosses off all of those boxes. So what this does, it's a market-based approach to the criminal justice system. So the the basis, the idea, the underlying the underlying idea of this is that in the criminal justice system, after you get out, you have this mark on your record that practically makes you unhirable uh, by by most accounts for for a lot of uh, uh, businesses, it, and it makes it. Very, very difficult for people to properly reintegrate back into society. And because of that, um, most uh, more often than not, uh, people who were formerly incarcerated go back to the very lifestyle that got them incarcerated in the first place, thus feeding this cycle of, of recidivism. And it's just a vicious cycle that that perpetuates itself and uh brian i'm sure sure you you know this you know most of the prison population is full of repeat offenders um and even those who who are there for violent crimes um they've been to prison before a lot of them and a lot of them were there for prison in the first place due to nonviolent crimes because they are not properly 
uh, not properly reintegrated back into society. Now, some things we just cannot help. Some things, at least not in a market uh, market approach, we cannot fix entirely. Some things you actually do have to go through the legislature, which this is that's something we can also talk about because we're we're doing some things um, on that front as well. Uh, but uh, like uh, restoring voting rights, restoring Second Amendment rights, those kind of things, you have to you have to go through the legislature for that. But when it comes to getting a job, that is something that we can go directly into the marketplace. We can completely bypass government. So that sort of reinforces our our fundamental philosophy that the market can do everything better. And it should. Um, and it, it goes directly into the marketplace and we are working directly with businesses and more broadly, I guess, places of employment, because we are, we are trying to, trying to get some like local, uh, government, uh, employees like may, uh, you know, county commissioner offices and, and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and get them to at minimum take what we have dubbed essentially a pledge of reintegration. Now, this pledge does not commit anyone to anything because a lot of people, you know, they, they, some of their oppositions to this is like, okay, so what are you asking me to commit to? Are you asking me to hire nothing but nonviolent offenders? Are you asking, you know, so we want to make it, we want to make it to where we are empowering businesses to make their own decisions. We don't want to make those decisions for them. Um, and we are saying, basically, take this pledge where you're saying you're not going to discriminate against anyone who has had a, a nonviolent offense, a nonviolent felony on their record. And uh, and and just judge people and just uh, hire and fire people based on their work ethic and qualifications alone. Now, what this does is it helps change the culture. And it helps us uh, form this network of businesses that we can use to go in and 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 kind of you know use the spirit of competition against some of their competitors for those who might be on the edge, for the, those who might be unsure about this, or um, going to a lot bigger businesses. The the, the you know the Starbucks of the world, and for for example. Um, and say, okay, this is what everyone else is doing at the bare minimum. What more can you do on top of this pledge, mm. such as hire a certain percentage of their workforce, uh, similar to what Starbucks did with their uh, veterans uh, workforce program uh, oh, yep. a few years back? Mm -hmm. um, somewhat similar to that. Uh, what more can you do? What more are you going to offer so that way you can get that publicity? Because obviously we would, we would be more than happy to help in, in, on that front um, and and really help try to change the cultural aspect of this. And really the um, the reception of this has been quite overwhelming. It's been very positive. Uh, that, that was something that I was confident that we would have a lot of good feedback, but I wasn't for sure how much feedback versus how much, you know, pushback we right. would get. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, I, I can honestly say that I have not gone up to a business talking about this idea where they have been completely opposed to the idea of this itself. If anything, their, their pushback to this has been, well, we might already do something like this or, or something similar to that. So it's a very good problem to have. Um, but, uh, the, the reason we want to obviously push this onto them is so that we can have those numbers of, of businesses who have taken this pledge and then sort of use those numbers to, to lobby other businesses into the right direction. Gotcha. So let's talk about the other side of the coin. And I, so let me re rewind a little bit. This is actually is a phenomenal partner episode for, so Chris Spangle, the, the, the big show for We Are Libertarians does a series called The Cost. And I forget the exact episode. I think it might have been the cost, uh, the, the third cost episode. He had a gentleman on his show who was in, in prison for 18 years and, uh, how, how difficult it was. Number one, to, like you're mentioning, reintegrate into society, uh, both culturally, but then also through a, a personal standpoint, because now 
know, here he is for the first time on the job market looking for employment opportunities. Uh, obviously, having the the big check next to his name saying he was a felon doesn't really help things too much. Um, right. So there, the real there's there's that real cost associated with people coming out of of prison looking for these new opportunities. But then I have to raise the question because obviously I, I'm I'm seeing this inevitable question coming down the line, and that's. Well, what about the person who is, you know, a, a, a person who committed murder or, well, maybe that's a little too, let, let, let's not make a it violent crime. crime, a violent yeah. crime. Correct. Yeah. Um, so let's say somebody who cr- committed a violent crime, if the, the businesses are making this pledge of reintegration where they're not going to ask what the crime was or anything, but based solely on their credentials, isn't that setting up a risk for the, the community by and large? Cause now you have these people in a place of business where they might commit another violent crime again? Um, so, so the pledge of reintegration itself, um, just to clarify specifically outlines that the business will not discriminate against those who are nonviolent offenders only. It doesn't say anything about any sort of violent offenders. Um, and I, I, I believe that the business should have that right to discriminate and and sort of take that judgment on their own, uh, you know, on, on their own business uh, move. They, they shouldn't, you know, have somebody else come in and tell them you have to hire every single non or every single violent uh, offender so that they can, you know, get back into society and, and, and things like that. Because I, I do think that's that's a bit too much of a risk on their end. Um, even though I do think some people do deserve, even those who are violent, uh, or at least who were violent. And I'm um, sure some businesses would take that risk knowing full absolutely, well that that's, that's a risk. Yeah. But this pledge specifically only, um, has businesses pledge to not discriminate against nonviolent offenders only. Uh, it has nothing to do with someone who may have committed uh, uh, domestic uh, violence or sexual assaults or murder. And, and, you know, the most extreme case, this is just about people who had their life messed up when they were young or even, when, you know, maybe even when they're not so young um, and they were in the wrong place, the wrong time, um, even in the wrong neighborhood or, you know, they just had a bad situation dealt to them and uh it was due to like a drug crime or even some like white collar crimes um these are all people who are very who otherwise would be very productive members of society and they are exactly the kind of people who we need back into the workforce especially because they know um and and this is sort of a personal belief but they would know the the value of a job, probably a lot more than uh, than you or I uh, would know it, because they have had it restricted from them, not just like denied from them, like you didn't get your dream job, but actually restricted from them. And these are the kind of people who are going to hold on to that uh, job and and provide try to provide for their families the best way that they could uh, to the bitter end. So. These are exactly the kind of people that we want back into the workforce. And again, this has nothing to do with violent offenders. This has nothing to do with um, letting people out early. This, the, everything involved with this is these people are already out and you have to deal with them. How are you going mm-hmm. to deal with them? Are you going to reject them and shun them out of society? Or are you going to properly reintegrate them so that they don't fall back into that lifestyle and possibly come, become the violent offender that everyone is so uh, paranoid about. So this is uh, an interesting scenario I'm going to give you. Um, okay. Well, it's not really a scenario. I guess really I want the blueprint. So let's say, you know, God forbid some listener of the Brian Nichols show uh, gets caught speeding down the road and they're going 90 and a 55 and oh, they happen to have um, you know, a, a doobie on them. Is doobie still cool to say doobie? Or is that really yeah, old now? Fine. <laughs> okay. A, a joint, a, a, a little yeah. cigarette of marijuana. So, right. um, they get pulled over. Oh my gosh. They, they were driving through Texas with pot and, uh, they, they get put in prison for, I don't know, five years. Let's just say. So, uh, John Doe 
very popular guy. Uh, he's in prison and he is now released and he's in the community. Obviously didn't commit any, um, you know, crazy violent offense and he's looking for business, uh, to work at. So I'm going to put you in the situation of being John. How does John now as a, a, um, released nonviolent, uh, member of society, how does he number one, look for a job? But number two, to make sure that that job is within the parameters of the uh, reintegration project. And then I guess number three question is, how do we know that, well, not sorry, how how do we know? How does the business know that John is a uh, nonviolent criminal? Um, Like, do they have to ask him? Do they get documents because he was hired? I don't know how that process works. So maybe you can enlighten us to that as well. Um. Repeat, repeat the first. Yes. Two so step one, you're John. And, yeah. Step one, you're John and you're looking for a job. How do you find the companies that are a part of the reintegration process? Or okay. Project? Okay. Um, so step one is that as we, um, as we grow and as we expand and, and sort of, um, get to a certain threshold, um, with, with this project, uh, there's there's some you know some some pretty good meetings I'm I'm going to be having this weekend that that will hopefully make that expand very dramatically. Um, as as we do that, we are going to be always uh, check back for this theoretical you know uh, this theoretical person um, can always go and and constantly check uh, maliberty.com because that would be the first sort of immediate place that. Um, we would go and have this list and, and network of, of businesses that for the nonviolent offender, they would be able to go and check out and say, Oh, this, I, I know where this business is. This is just that local, you know, coffee shop down the street. Um, do, do, so, do the businesses get like a big Mill Liberty initiative reintegration project like member sticker that they can put on their, their storefront proudly displaying their role in this, this whole initiative? Uh, not a sticker, but yes. So, so the, the pledge is, is an actual like certificate that we are sending out to, um, every business that takes it essentially. And, uh, and I, I sign off on it. You know, it has, has my name on it saying that this is, um, I'm aware of this as part of our network. And then they sign off on it, basically affirming their pledge. Uh, the, the business owner that is, uh, signs off mm-hmm. on it, affirming their pledge to, uh, to help reintegrate. And then to your, to your other point, how do they know? Um, that is going to kind of have to be on, uh, using their own discretion. Like I said, businesses are going to be very much empowered. We're not going to, you know, restrict them or handcuff them in any way. Um, other than just reminding them that they shouldn't be denying people based on this and this alone. Um, so with, with the, uh, with the pledge being, you know, theoretically hung in their place of place of work, um, a, a, an offender could come in and, and apply for work and, and they would have to do their own background check. And if, if they just get an application from them and it says, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm, I, I was in, I was in prison for some time and that's good with the business. Um, as you know, they are more than willing or more than free, I should say, to, to ask any sort of questions and, and sort of dig into, because I, I do believe that should be their right. Um, they should know who they're hiring and they should know, uh, what kind of person is, is employed by them, especially if, if, uh, words, you know, word of mouth can be a vicious thing and you, you kind of want to control the rumor mill before it gets too out of control. Um, so, so that's something that I am perfectly fine with, with letting them have control of that, uh, process. Um, but for the, the people who are trying to seek work as we expand and as we grow, uh, will be, uh, including those businesses onto our website as well. To make things easier for the, um, the, the, the reintegrated member of our society. I, I mean, again, my, my day job is in, in sales and in marketing and public relations. So, uh, for me, I'm just thinking like, could you imagine, I, please take this idea is like, you know, that the chamber of commerce stickers that businesses get 
and they put it right there, like on their front, um, the front door when people walk in, like a, yes. a, a big yes. Mill Liberty Initiative or like a big reintegration project proud member. And then like 2019 and every year somebody gets a brand new sticker and just to have number one, a marketing tool for you guys. But number two, now you have people walking in and out of these businesses every single day and seeing the reintegration project, maybe asking questions, trying to do more research about the reintegration pro- uh, project. But then, God forbid, they they end up getting arrested for whatever reason. Now they have in their mind, okay, well, when I get out from this nonviolent crime, I can now look for these businesses because I remember the, the sticker on the door and I can go ahead and actually now look and apply to these businesses to basically get my life back together, to reestablish the the foundation of my my income, to kind of get some normalcy back in my life. So um, please, if, that, if you can take the idea and use it, by all means. Um, well, uh, go ahead. well, Brian, uh, that I mean, that's that's something I, I, I can basically, you know, send this to you if, if even if you would like. But uh, we have a, a sample pledge of, of this where we are encouraging um, any business who takes this pledge to essentially sort of like frame it or just just hang it up in their uh, place of employment if it applies if it's ap- uh, applicable um, obviously there are some businesses that it wouldn't be because it's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh, you know people going in and out but you know sometimes even even those kind of places would would want something like this so every certificate that we send out um, is it, it comes sort of with the uh, it comes sort of with the idea that they would ha- uh, hang this in their um, place of, of employment, whether that be like a coffee shop or, um, you know, just really anywhere uh, and hang that up. So that way people can see that and, and basically do exactly what you said and and uh, and have that sort of peace of mind that this place will be a place that is friendly to me if I get caught uh, and, and sent to sent to prison. So give me the big picture. What, where do you see based on, I guess you, you've been obviously speaking, uh, to, of this project to various businesses. And, and I know you've been working behind the scenes, meeting with some movers and shakers in the Liberty movement based on your talking to these folks and, and just using your own anecdotal eyes and evidence to see what the reception has been. Where do you see the reintegration project as a part of, uh, the Liberty initiative? maybe five years from now, 10 years from now. Oh goodness. Um, and, and that amount of time, um, that's something that I, I want to see, uh, sort of our certificate on businesses all across the country. Like I, I want to sort of be able, and this is sort of dreaming if you will. So, so I hope you don't mind that, but, um, (laughs) I, I kind of like the idea of just going into any business and, and uh, walking in and just seeing the certificate right there, you know, that 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 would be a, a mm. good feeling for me um, or or even a little bit more ambitious. Um, I don't I don't know if you're uh, that much of a beer drinker. I am. And uh, and one of my favorite uh, beers is from Sam Adams. And mm. I recently read a book from the founder, uh, Jim Coke, and, and his sort of big moments for him was whenever he had Boston lager in the uh, refrigerator in the kitchen of the White House. Um, so having a moment like that, where even if it's not necessarily the White House, um, something similar to it, uh, where, you know, a place of, of high esteem like, like, like that, um, and having them take that pledge, uh, that would be, that would that would be a, a big moment for me. Awesome. And um, obviously, you know, this, this project is, is growing and it's, it's changing and well, that's already changing, but like you're, you're doing more behind the scenes work that nobody ever sees until the finished product product. So, I mean, right, dude, right. Keep, keep doing what you're doing with this, but people can always go ahead and it's, it's a uh, Malliberty initiative.org.com. No, uh, just, just malliberty.com. It's, you know, mm. just, uh, just one word and, um, you know, just pretty straightforward. So and I'll, I'll obviously include the links if folks can go ahead and find you and, and find the project as well. Uh, because this is, I mean, yep. Caleb, this is, this is exactly what, when we say libertarians have to actually take the, the charge going forward and do things in a positive way to be the answer in lieu of government and the, the alternative 
to government, this is it. I mean, you are doing exactly what libertarians need to do in order to have some relevancy on the, the national stage. I mean, it's one thing for, for folks to, to decry the, you know, the broken criminal justice system and the, you know, the, the, the broken state. And then the reality is you have to have an alternative. You have to have an answer to these, these problems that the left is, is really trying to answer. And they say more government. And I think we need more folks like you to actually put the libertarian principles, the libertarian talking points into real tangible action. And, and the whole mission of the Liberty Initiative is to, to help change hearts and minds so they can see what liberty is like in real life. And I think this is going to be a great start. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, that's that's really the the idea. Um, obviously, the the main point of this project is to is to help get people back on their feet and help get get people's lives back together. But sort of there were there were two byproducts that immediately uh, came to mind whenever I was formulating the idea for this project. And the, and the first one was that people will be able to see that as as libertarians, seeing a libertarian organization sort of leading on this charge specifically, we are putting our money where our mouth is about how the market can work and how it uh, does not require any sort of government interference. And two, it will help national uh, discourse and help, I think, ease uh, a lot of tensions in, in the nation currently um, whenever it comes to this specific issue, because this is one of those issues that really just transcend partisan boundaries, um, whether you are on the left and you are just like concerned with the compassion angle of of criminal justice reform or you're on the right and you're concerned with how much taxpayer dollar is going to um is is going to keeping people who otherwise would be very productive members of society. You're you're making them uh, essentially takers instead of makers, um, or you are a law and order type of person of either the left or the right. This makes communities safer because it keeps people off the streets. These are all things that that just creates this really weird and but but really healthy and and. Uh, and good mix of, of political discourse and dialogue to where we can actually come together and, and agree on this one thing. And, and that's something that I think a lot of, uh, libertarians sort of fall flat on is that they get too caught up with advancing the ideals of libertarianism as a philosophy rather than just advancing liberty. And this might be something I, I mentioned last time on the program, but that's something that as an organization, we take to heart very seriously, that we don't want to advance libertarianism per se, because yes, we're, we're all libertarians as, as the organization, but you, you can't expect the entire country to just become libertarian. You can expect mm -hmm. the entire country to embrace liberty in small, incremental, and precise ways. And that's the approach that we're taking. And it drives me crazy when I hear libertarians really look at people who maybe are their 70% allies or, or I, I, even like 60% allies. And instead of looking at them as the 60% ally, all they see is that 40% enemy. And then that just for some reason, just because a lot of the libertarian ideology has been promoted, I think it's been like this for a while, but I just see it in more recent years, since we're not in an election cycle, is uh, this idea of purity, like to be that real libertarian, which of course will lead down the, the rabbit hole towards like this ANCAP idealistic society where, you know, everybody else besides that is a statist. And yeah. I mean, it drives me crazy because yes, you can always preach and out libertarian somebody else in your philosophy but then you know folks like you or, or even folks over at the uh, the american conservation coalition i'm going to be having one of their uh re representatives on my show down the road hint hint wink wink um <laughs> for those of you behind the scenes because is uh caleb's girlfriend uh is the <laughs> person who i'm gonna be having on my show and she's right. part of acc um right. so so, uh, <laughs> so i mean even though they might uh people in acc might re identify more as 
conservative by no stretch of the imagination does that mean that libertarians should look at them and say well we can't work with them because they have you know conservative ideals like no the whole point is to take these these problems as a society as a a planet whatever it may be whether it's environmental whether it's uh you mentioned the reintegration of society we have to show our principles in action and we have to look at those doing it even though they might not necessarily be 100% allies in our ideology, they're still an ally in promoting liberty. And we have to stop having the purity contest and actually look and see what's moving the needle, what's really you know pushing the ball down the field and actually getting close to getting people to realize like, hey, this whole idea of liberty, it's not just this free market you know slogan of capitalists making more and more money off the backs of the, the working poor. Like this is actually like, People helping one another voluntarily without the the threat of force, and uh, we we need to actually show tangible um, examples of that. And again, what you're doing, what ACC is doing, and a slew of other organizations are doing, you're filling the void. And I I mean, thank you, a hundred percent, thank you for doing that. Well, well, thank you for that, uh, for, for for several of those kind words, and and I I, I kind of want to have a, a a conversation here with you about about this, and and I do see to an extent if the forty percent that is your you know the people who who see people who are like seventy percent, and or I guess it'd be sixty forty or whatever, um, that that minority of the percentage, if if that number is really bad things, <laughs> then I definitely see that point if, if the uh, content is because it's not always one to one. But at the same time, I like to look at things very much on a single issue at a time. So one of the things that I like to uh, frequently um, reference and, and sort of explain this with, and you mentioned the, the, com- the combatants between pragmatism, and purity. Um, that's one of my, one of my bigger pet peeves is that people seem to think that those two are somehow opposite in that you're either one or the other. And in my mind, and I have never, and I've had a, a, a you know, a long political evolution um, since since first becoming interested in politics. I wasn't always a libertarian, um, but I have never understood that. I have never understood how you can pit pragmatism against purity. How, how can you how can you be pure if you aren't actually achieving things, if you aren't actually trying to find the best realistic way forward? And how can you be pragmatic if you don't know what you're being pragmatic about, you know, if you, if you're not, uh, if you don't have some, uh, resemblance of principles, you know, those two things I don't, I've never seen as enemies. I've always seen them as, as sort of inseparable. It's kind of the same mm-hmm. thing with like logic and emotion, the, the, the constant struggle between those two. I've never understood why we've always had to pit those two against each other. They've always seemed very, uh, very connected in my mind because every human has emotion and every human has logic. And a lot of times they sort of, they're sort of, uh, fighting for dominance, but that's not to say that they're enemies. Um, and the one thing that I like to, to say is that, you know, I disagree with Bernie Sanders on the great majority of the issues. I I would say probably like around 90% or so, but say marijuana legalization, I would be thrilled to work with him on that one issue where we can agree on. And I would hold his hand in, um, in, in championing that issue. Uh, if, if, if push comes to shove and that is what, you know, and, and that's what, uh, it's, it just happened to, to be if in next year, that's, that's what happens. Then I would, I would be thrilled to do that. Because we need to look at things not necessarily on who we're working with, but on what we're working on. And if the cause is just, who cares who's standing beside you? Because those are all voices that are that are touching very different um, aspects of the population in very different ways. And you again, you can't expect everyone to be libertarian just like that overnight, but you can create a libertarian society by advancing those ideas one issue at a time. And 
what a way to wrap up a phenomenal discussion there. Um, and if I can, I think I will give you my educated guess as to why a lot of libertarians do um, that pragmat uh, the pragmatism versus you know the the purity test um, argument. And I think a lot of it's because a lot of people within the libertarian movement, or maybe dare I say the more the louder voices, are more the people who really aren't they're they're not extroverted. They aren't really ones to go out and about in their their community and interact with people and and really build those those foundational ideals as to how to actually enact things in in real life. They can do it in in their their mind and they can do it on paper, but once they actually start talking to people in real life and starting to actually interact with members of their their community and seeing how how very different a lot of people think than the the puritans do that's the problem is that they can't they can't rationalize uh real life with the the, the purity of the the philosophy and this just the reality is uh in order to get to 100% libertarianism um it's going to require uh basically everybody to th- to think and act the way we we would want them to based on libertarian principles and and the reality we've seen is that well, just there's a lot of people in in our society who aren't that way um, so that it's, it would definitely take time and you just can't go out and, and make these changes that are all based on this, this purity ideal and, and expect everybody just to, to follow in line lockstep. You have to do these, um, the, these one step at a time in a very, again, pragmatic way. Um, you have to do these steps to, to actually help get people to see the value. And once they see the value, that's when the buy is made. That's when they, they make the decision to, to purchase that is that we're selling. And that is, that's Liberty. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know that I've ever uh, looked at it that way, but that is kind of an interesting point that you bring up about how um, a lot of, a lot of the people who are like this are, are very somewhat introverted. Um, and it, it sort of makes them uncomfortable to, to go out and, and do that thing. But I, I'm also very introverted. So it's, it, it creates a very interesting, uh, you know, I, I don't like confrontation necessarily. <laughs> I, it makes me very uncomfortable. And I, I, I might think things or, or say things, uh, you know, to myself, but like when it comes to confrontation, I, I, I would much rather just like go about my day. And so, so I, I think part of it also has to do with, um, and this is something just, the general political uh, environment and 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 climate that that we currently have, but people are very comfortable in their own tribes, and even you know uh, libertarians fall into into this trap. As much as we hate to admit it, um, it does happen, and it happens and, all the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens. Look, look a at lot all the Facebook than, groups that are on on, yeah. on Facebook of just pure libertarian echo chamber you know, group think circle around and and just talk yep. about how how libertarian I am today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that has a a lot to do with it as well, because we, we like to think that we're above the, the tribalism of the, of the political parties, but, but a lot of times we fall into the same trap. Um, not everyone, uh, um, but a lot of people do a lot of people in the movement because it's hard, it's hard to get away from that. Um, whenever the entire culture of the nation is, is, sort of shoving it in our face. Um, and it's hard to not sort of fall in, in, in line in, in that sense. Um, so I, I don't necessarily fault them for that. It's just, it's just the way that it is. And it's something that we have to be very vigilant and, and cautious about, uh, whenever, whenever working on, on these issues and trying to spread this message. 100% 100% agree, good sir. Well, uh, we were going to have a an entire separate discussion about the government shutdown, but alas, we're already at the point of the show where we got to wrap up because, uh, holy cow, that <laughs> went fast. That was a very yeah. fast, and I, I looked at the time here, I was like, oh my god, really? Um, yeah. But, I mean, well, obviously, the, the reason is because it's a, never a boring conversation with you, Caleb, and I think we always have a... Uh, a great conversation, whether it's on the air or, or, uh, you know, within the confines of social media where we'll interact or if it's about the office. Um, so <laughs> right, right, right. That's always a priority. It, somebody, uh, one of my, uh, my Twitter followers tweeted, uh, it was like top five people on Twitter that you'd like to meet in real life. And, uh, he, he tagged me and I replied, I promise that I talk about the office just as much in real life as I do on social media. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, you, know, you see, that's the thing. That's the, the sort of cultural, um, 
uh, pop culture themes that that we stick to seem to be a lot more um, prevalent as far as our personalities go than you know I'm the same with way with like uh, well the office and in some aspects but also like the the MCU Marvel movies and, and mm-hmm. things like that so so that's a lot more about what we would get <laughs> if we met our <laughs> heroes in real life than uh, than sort of the deep philosophical discussions that we're hoping for and you know what God bless the people in politics who can actually do a genuine cross reference between politics and, and pop culture. And I'll give right. you a perfect, perfect anecdote on um, Justin Amash. Just so there's that whole challenge, like 2019. Oh my gosh. Yes, 2000, that was so funny. 2009, yeah. And he took the picture of the CEO, uh, then CEO of Dunder Mifflin, spoiler alert, uh, yeah. David Wallace as his before picture. And they, they look <laughs> Very, very similar. So I yeah. took a screenshot of that and I shared it in a, it's called, <laughs> I'm such a dweeb. It's called the office super fans group on, on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a loser. Um, <laughs> and, but I shared it. I said, this is the congressman from Michigan and it blew up. People were like, Oh my God, look at this guy. And I'm just praying that, you know, maybe. 20% of them actually went online or like, okay, who's Justin Amash? Checked out his, and checked yeah, him checked out. Out exactly. his politics. And- exactly. Like they can see somebody who's like, oh, he likes the office too. Then maybe that will convince them that maybe, you know, they should look into his politics. I don't know. It's just, it was, right. it was really cool to see. But, um, with that being said, Caleb, thank you so much again for, for joining me on the show today. And, uh, one new thing I've been doing as I wrap up my shows is I want my audience to know you better. So as you give your final thoughts, give us a, a fun fact about Caleb friends to, uh, to leave the audience with. Oh man. Uh, I mean, I guess, uh, there's there's several things. I'm not just all politics. In fact, I like to um, I I much prefer to integrate as much pop culture into my political way of thinking, or at least way of communicating um, as possible. So as I referenced uh, the the Marvel movies, I think a lot of those have a, a lot of great themes that um, that transcend um, political discourse and, and we can use as a liberty movement to sort of preach our message. Um, same with like star Wars and things like that. So, so I'm, I'm just a big nerd. Uh, that's, that's probably the, the biggest reveal for, for me is that, um, I, I care a lot more about, uh, about, pop culture than I do about politics. <laughs> and um, I would much rather go to like the midnight screening of the Avengers than I would to go to like a, a five hour lecture on um, any sort of economic theory or something like that. So I, I guess that would probably be the best, uh, the, the best example that I could, I could provide for that. Well, here's my fun fact of the week. Uh, it's not really a fun fact. It's, it's kind of like in, in Ben Shapiro's things I like and thing I hate segment on his show. Uh, it's, it's a thing that makes me sad. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, we, uh, we lost to the St. or St. Louis, the, the LA Rams. Excuse me. I'll give them their due. Um, yeah, 30 to 22. Man, it was heartbreaking because I actually thought we had a chance. So, uh, now that my heart's officially broken here to, to start 2019, um, <laughs> is your team still in the, uh, the hunt? Well, that I guess would be the other. Don't say you don't watch I, football. I, no, I, I really don't. Uh, uh, you're just like Brad. I had Brad Palumbo on my show, and he said the exact same thing. And he I, watched I just freaking cannot soccer. Cannot get into sports at all. It's it's not even a, a football thing. Okay, if that makes it any better, it's okay. just a sports in general. Um, it I I don't know. I, <laughs> I I that's one of the areas that I um, understand the place of tribalism. But I don't understand it enough to get involved with it. Dude, try being a Dallas Cowboys fan in Philadelphia. Like, I'm surprised I haven't been shot yet. Um, I I actually, I will wear my Dallas Cowboys um, baseball cap to the gym and, like, just the glares I get. I'm like, one of these days, like, it's just going to take the wrong guy who had a really bad day and... And he just needs to get frustration out, and then he beats me up. Um, hopefully, I can hold my own though, because I'm you know six five and two seventy. So, uh, right. <laughs> so um, so yeah, that's uh, that's my fun fact of the week. And I I now have to become a uh, either a Rams, a Saints, or a Chiefs fan because just no, not Tom Brady again, not the Patriots. I can't do it again. <laughs> it's been it's been too much. And if they win another Super Bowl, they will officially have one more than the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, the Cowboys are now tied for second with the 49ers in, in Super Bowls. 
and uh, only the Steelers are ahead with six. So, oh yeah, and and the Patriots at five. So I just don't want to see that happen. So, anyways, fun way to wrap up the show. Um, so Caleb, before uh, before we go, I want people to be able to follow you and uh, follow all the happenings over at the Mill Liberty Initiative, and obviously to uh, to follow along with the reintegration project. So, where can folks find you, and where can folks find the uh, the venture that you be- you've been doing a fantastic job with thus far? Absolutely. And, and, and thank you again, Brian, for, for this. This has been uh, fantastic. It's always fun to, to get to join you on your program and, and have a very lively conversation. <laughs> um, so, so you can follow me on Twitter at Caleb Franz. Um, you can follow the show, the podcast, Mill Liberty at Mill Liberty, um, and follow the organization, um, at Mill Liberty org. Uh, and go to milliberty.com for all the, you know, updates on, on the Maliberty Initiative. Um, check us out on Facebook, uh, at the Maliberty Initiative. Um, and if any of your, uh, listeners are, are interested in, in this, I have a, a pretty interesting, um, at least in my mind, it's interesting. I don't know if anyone else's mind it's interesting, but, um, I'm, I, I've got a two part, uh, series, uh, last week and this week on, the perils of interventionism. And it's, it's basically, I got real sick of, of hearing, you know, sort of the, the neocon response to when Trump drew out of, uh, announced that he was going to draw out of Syria. So I, I decided to do a, a two-parter to kick the year off. And, uh, it was all about intervention and the history behind it and why it never worked. And then also libertarian, uh, what, what libertarians believe, or at least are, are supposed to believe with, with, um, with regards to foreign policy. So if, if you want a very in-depth look at foreign policy, um, I, I highly encourage your listeners to go check that out, uh, and, and just subscribe to Liberty on iTunes. Awesome. All right, sir. Well, listen, I appreciate the, uh, the time and, and folks, if you enjoyed Caleb on the Brian Nichols show, well, Gosh darn it, come help me out because I want to get more Caleb's on my show. Uh, though, let's be real, nobody can actually ever, you know, come close to holding a candle to Caleb. So, uh, oh, with, <laughs> so with that, if you could. Don't even try. Don't even try, folks. But it, <laughs> if you want to try, at least financially help us out here at The Brian Nichols Show. Uh, again, PayPal, one-time donation. Go ahead and find us at Show at gmail.com for that PayPal link. Also, guys, it, it's right in the top of the uh, the show. So just click support this podcast. Boom, goes right to it. Also, um, Patreon, if you're looking at uh, maybe uh, helping us out on a monthly basis, please, again, Patreon, go ahead and find me. It's at Liberty. And as for my social media, find me on Twitter and on Facebook at Liberty. It's always fun here on The Brian Nichols Show. And signing off until next week for Caleb Franz of the Mill Liberty Initiative. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.